0: Welcome to the P. Vine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Good morning,
1: Pivine. is great to be back with you. My third time here, first time was before Joel was your pastor, and uh, once a couple of years ago, and now it's good to be back again with you. I, I want to say something as an outside guide. You've probably had other speakers tell you this, but uh, I know you know you're blessed at p Vine, but you're blessed more than you know. Uh, God is using what, what he's doing at p Vine to minister to other churches Around our state a lot of folks in the state are watching you they hear about what God's doing here A lot of churches that want to grow like you're growing are are learning from you and those around the nation Thank you for sharing your pastor uh, With uh, the rest of the nation through his work with North American Mission Board and he's just blessing so many churches You're blessed to have him as your leader. I'm not saying that just because he's one of my best friends in the world Uh, He really is one of my best friends and love him and Sherry so much I heard years ago. I heard a guy named Jim Rohn say here's how you define a friend you, you know a friend is a good friend if, if you were to wind up in a jail in Mexico, a good friend will come and get you. Well, that was pretty good, right? And I know that if I wound up in a jail in Mexico, Joel would send Daniel, yeah, Joel would send Daniel to get me, and so I, I, I really do, I appreciate that about him, but uh, Anyway, I will to bring a message today that uh, is a little bit different than what I'm, I usually do. I'm going to be hev- heavily PowerPoint dependent. If you want to turn your Bible, it's going to be Ezekiel 22. Everything's going to be on the screen. Matter of fact, a lot is going to be on the screen. We're going to move very quickly through this message, but I believe it's a message for our time. And, uh, and it, it just relates to kind of where we are as a church and in the culture we're in and how much of the culture might be in the church. I heard about a story about a man one time cut his hand, cut his hand pretty bad. He wrapped it up in a towel bleeding. Uh, His wife said, you know, you really ought to go down to the hospital and let them look at that. And he said, I I think I will. So he got in the car and he drove down to the hospital, checked himself into the ER. And and the nurse at the ER station said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk down this hall behind me. And at the end of the hall, you're going to see two doors. And each of them has a label, go through the door that most applies to your situation. Well, easy enough. He started down the hallway, came to two doors. One door said male. The other door said female. Well, pretty easy, he went through the door that said male. Well, that put him on another long hallway. He gets down to the end of that hallway, and he came to two doors. One door said external, the other door said internal. Well, he figures a cut on the hand is external, so he walked through the door that said external. Well, he finds himself on another hallway, so he walks to the end of that hall, and at the end of that hallway, two doors, one door said above the waist, the other door said below the waist. Well, he figured a a cut on the hand is... a above the waist. So he went through the door that said above the waist. Well, he found himself on another hallway, walked to the end of that hallway. At the end of the hall, two doors. One door said major. The other door said minor. Well, he figured a cut on the hand is pretty minor. So he went through the door that said minor. Well, he found himself back outside in the parking lot. (laughs) So he got in his car and he drove home. And when he got home, his wife said, wow, that was fast. Were they able to help you at the hospital? He said, no, not really, but boy, are they organized. (laughs) You know, I wonder sometimes if folks have the same experience with the church. They come in bruised, bleeding, broken, confused, and a lot of times when they get amongst us, they find that we may be highly organized, but are we really of use to anybody? See, I believe that we're only of use in the culture to the degree that we cooperate with God. And I believe that to the degree that we do not cooperate with God, that we're of no use in the culture. I want to bring a message today called Dealing with the Gaps, Cooperating with God about that very thing. And I'm going to ask some very important questions and maybe some questions that you've actually never thought about. And I'm going to start with this question. This question is simply this. What is Jesus doing right now? Right now, Jesus is doing something. The Bible says that he bodily ascended to the right hand of God. He's seated there one day. He's coming back. Right now, he's doing something. And there's a verse in the Bible that tells us exactly what Jesus is doing right now. It's from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to put it on the screen. And I want you to read it with me out loud when I put it on the screen. Read it out loud with me. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So that is what Jesus is is doing. He's interceding for us. Now, what does he mean by interceding? I'm going to put the definition of intercession here on the board, and I I want you to read that definition out loud with me. It's very important you understand that definition. The first word of the definition, by the way, is mediation, not meditation. Mediation. I want us to read that together out loud. Intercession is mediation, arbitration, intervention, interposing in behalf of another. So that's what Jesus is doing. Now what is the devil doing? What is Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer, what is he doing right now? There's a a verse in Revelation that says he's gonna be cast down. And in that verse where it says he's gonna be cast down, it tells us what he's doing up until that time. Now let me be clear, he's not cast down yet. Can I get a witness? (laughs) We deal with him every day, right? And his legions assigned to us. And so, uh, but in that verse, it tells us that he's gonna be cast down. It tells us up until that moment what he's doing. I'm gonna put it on the screen and I want you to read it out loud with me. This is what the devil is doing right now. Out loud, say it. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters accuses them before our God day and night. Now, I'm going to give you the definition of accusation. Very important you understand that definition. Here's the definition of accusation. Read it with me. To accuse is to condemn, denunciate, complain, blame, to reproach. Let's read it one more time. To accuse is to condemn, denunciate, complain, blame, to reproach. That's what Satan is doing. Now I want us to look at a core scripture for our text today, for our message today, and it's in uh, Ezekiel, and it tells us what God is looking for. So what is God looking for so that he would not have to destroy the land? Let's read it out loud. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before them in the gap in behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. Now, now, I know the distracting line in that verse is, build up the wall, because that's where all the controversy is, right? That's not the point. The point is, I'm looking for somebody to stay in, in the gap. Years ago, we used to have Bible conferences that we would do with our ministry all over the place, and, and we'd have speakers that really had an impact on my life, and I'd bring them in, and we'd all just listen to them teach for three or four days in a row. One of those men was Peter Lord, and boy, he just brought messages that changed my life. I kept all my notes, and he, he, he did a whole series on a definition of the gap in this verse, and, and it really so set. On me, that I wanted to share it with you today, and I believe it's core and central. We need to understand it. What is the definition of the word gap? Now, I'm going to put the definition on the screen. I'm going to ask you, what is a gap? And I want you to read the answer out loud, and we'll do this three times. How many times? Three. We'll do it three times. This is a gap. So here it is. What is a gap? A gap. What is a gap? What is a gap? A gap is the space that exists between and there, there, there are gaps everywhere. Our, our pastors have gaps. Our church has gaps. Our teachers have gaps. Our president has gaps. Our Congress has gaps. Supreme Court has gaps. Local governors, government officials have gaps. Our, our kinfolk have gaps. Our spouses have gaps. Our children's show flat have gaps. There's a whole lot of space that exists between what is and what ought to be. Now, I open up my phone in the morning, and I ask myself the question when I look at a headline where I see the Supreme Court has made a decision that I see a gap in that decision. If I intercede, I'm cooperating with Jesus. If I accuse, I'm cooperating with the devil. If I see that decision and there's a gap in that, do I accuse or do I say, Lord, I I can't imagine the weight of the world those nine people have on their shoulders and you've instructed us in the word of God that we're to pray and intercede for those in authority over us. So I pray you'd give them wisdom in the decisions that they make. Do I accuse and cooperate with the devil or do I intercede and cooperate with Jesus? When, when I leave church and I've just listened to my pastor preach and, and I've detected gaps in his theology, according to me, do I accuse? Do I pray, do I pray for him? Do I intercede? Do I, do I ask God for his behalf and mine that he'd reveal both, uh, to both of us the truth that is God's truth? Or do I go home that afternoon and have roast pastor for lunch like most Baptists? To accuse is to cooperate with the devil, to intercede is to cooperate with Jesus and there's gaps everywhere all the time how do we handle those gaps you know what I found the, the, the hardest gap to handle is the gap the space that exists between our expectation of a person's behavior and their actual behavior I mean isn't that true that really is the hardest gap to handle when people don't act the way we think they should act or behave the way we expect now now, now let me say something about the gaps in other people uh, First of all, gaps are very easy to see. Boy, I'm telling you, I, I am good at spotting me some gaps. Anybody with me? Man, I'm good at it. Now, now, I don't know what you're good at, but I promise you, one of the top three things in your life is spotting gaps. You might be good at cooking and cleaning and spotting gaps, hunting and fishing and spotting gaps, fixing broke cars and spotting gaps. Listen, I don't care what you got. One of the top three is spotting gaps. We are good at spotting gaps. They're very easy to see. But not only are they very easy to see, but they're also very easy to judge. As a matter of fact, when I see a gap in what somebody posted on social media, when I see a believer acting in a way I think is gap, when somebody's gap gorges me, I'll be honest, my first thought is not a thought of intercession. My first thought is a thought of accusation. Really, the default thought is just judgment. It's very easy to quickly judge. As a matter of fact, that's why we have road rage. Because there's only so many perfect drivers in the world, and they're all in this room right now. <laughs> Everybody out there is an idiot, am I right? Man, we get mad behind the wheel as if we never make a mistake, as if there's no gap in our driving ever. Man, they're very easy to judge. But you know what else I've noticed? They're very easy to misjudge. Sometimes it's the speck, it's the, it's, the, it's the log in my eye that's the gap that's causing me to see the gap in somebody else's eye. It's very easy to misjudge. As a matter of fact, when I exercise my judgment in judging someone's gap, I have gaps in the judgment I'm exercising. Very easy to misjudge. And <clears throat> they're impossible to fill. Now listen, I, I, I'm going to save some of y'all hours of headache and loads of frustration if you'll listen to what I'm about to say. You cannot fix the gap in somebody else's life. As a matter of fact, the more you try to fix their gap, the more you'll alienate them in the process. Listen, you can't even fix your own gap. <laughs> you ever try to get better? How'd that go? You woke up one day, I got a gap with my patience. I'm going to have more patience. That lasted until the first traffic jam or the first cross-eyed look from your boss. I'm. T- listen, you can't even fix your own gap. You can't fix the gap in somebody else's life. Now. God is without gaps. When when you go to church and you sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, here's what you're saying. God, there ain't no gaps in you, amen. Listen, in God, there's no space that exists between what is and what ought to be. Everything in Him is just right. You with me? Now. The problem in God problems with me. Now, sin has made me full of gaps that hinder me from relating rightly to God and to each other and other people. So, so, the reason we don't get along with God like we ought to and the reason we don't get along with other people like we ought to is because of the gaps. Y'all with me? And, and so, now, 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 it's one thing for you, a guy with gaps, to judge me, a guy with gaps. But listen, when God judges me, God has no gaps. So when God exercises judgment toward me, he is perfectly justified in his judgment. Y'all with me? But here's the question. What did God do when he saw the gap between our actual performance and his expectations of our performance? When he could have judged us, what did he do? He sent the gap filler named Jesus. So that's what sets Christianity apart. From religion if you're here today and you're checking out this Jesus thing and you're not you're not you don't consider yourself a follower of Christ this is the difference see religion is man attempting to fill the gap between him and God religion is a man saying look there's a gap between me and the supreme being and I gonna fill that gap and so he comes up with words and works and creeds and confessions and liturgies and moralities and all these codes of conduct to try to fill that gap but he can't do it so religion is a man attempting to fill the gap But in Christianity, you don't fill the gap between you and God. You accept the gap filler God has provided for us named Jesus. Now, when I receive the the gap filler Jesus, the gap between me and God is totally, completely filled. And the reason it is, is because he gave me his righteousness. Now, Now, what does that mean? That means God relates to me. And allows me to relate to him as if I'm as righteous as his own son because in his eyes I stand as righteous as Jesus now wait a minute preacher that's a little too far you can't say I'm as righteous as Jesus you don't know what I did last week I know I'm saved but man look how I've been living all right listen let me ask you this question in order to be saved and for my sins to be removed How much of my sins had to be punished in Jesus on the cross? How how much of my sins? All of them. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen to me. God put all of my sin, past, present, and future, onto Jesus and punished it there. At the same time, how much of his righteousness then did he give to me? All of it, it was a complete exchange. All of my sin was deposited to his account. All of his righteousness is deposited to my account. So I stand complete in him. Listen, what does that mean? What that means is to have the gap completely filled between me and God means our relationship is perfect, lacking nothing. Your relationship with God, if you have one, lacks nothing. There's nothing else you can do to add to the relationship. Why? Because the basis of a relationship with God is accepting the gap filler, Jesus. If you try to add works to that, you're trying to improve upon the performance of Jesus and you can't improve on it. It's Jesus plus nothing. Get you the relationship, are y'all with me? As a matter of fact, you'll never be closer to God in relationship than you are right now. I heard one man say that if God made us any closer to himself than he already has, that he would have to make us a fourth member of the Trinity. <laughs> If you made us any closer, listen, what else can he do that he's not already done? You can't perfect perfection, it's already perfect. The relationship is perfect, lacking nothing. Here's where we get confused and this is where I'll solve the confusion for you. Fellowship is making full use of the relationship. See, look, I'm about to have been married 24 years. I heard one guy say, man, I've been happily married for 19 years. I just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, you know, some of those years are throwaway, right? Why, why, what do you mean, Scott? Well, I've been, married to, I've been married 23, almost 24 years. Listen, I'm no more married on my 24th wedding anniversary than I was the first day I got married. L- let me flip it. I'm no less married the first, the day they said you're man and wife, I was no less married to my wife then as I am on, on, in 23 years in our marriage. Are y'all with me? But how many of y'all know that in, in the context of that relationship, fellowship kind of goes like this, right? Everybody, anybody on this planet? Anybody, anybody been married more than five minutes? Anybody been? Right. Why? Because fellowship is what, is, is what we make of the relationship. So listen to me, what God is saying to you and what God is saying to me is, he said, look, I've done everything I do, can do to, to enact a perfect relationship with you and me so what does that mean we're to we're to fellowship with God and make full use of it one night you were up late it was like 1 a.m and you couldn't sleep and you were watching one of those infomercials you know it's a commercial that lasts like eight hours and you're watching it and maybe it was a Nordic track maybe it was a commercial for Nordic track or or maybe it was a Bowflex remember Bowflex remember that Bowflex (laughs) Uh, and, and maybe maybe it was a uh, uh, Christie Brinkley and Walker, Texas Ranger and they were selling you a total gym Remember the total gym it was about that big total gym that big and 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 so you thought man I want to look like Denny. I want to I want to get in shape like that And so what I need is a Nordic track what I need is a total gym What I need is a Bowflex and man, you could have it for three easy payments of $99 And so you did you called 1-800 total gym or whatever and they sent you one and you got it and You thought man, I, I'm ready now. Well, that was three years ago now Nordic Track and, nor, and, and Total Gym and Bowflex are expensive names for indoor plant stand, <laughs> basement bookshelf, <laughs> towel rack, right? right. Look, look, listen, you're not making full use of it. I, I could brag on my phone today, I could pull out my phone. Talk about how it's got a GPS, and I tell it where I want to go, and it gets me there. It talks back to me. And it tells me where to go. I can talk about how I can check my email with it, and I can, I can move money around my bank accounts with it, and, and, I, and I, can, I can peer into the people's lives on, on, on social media in it, with it. It's really awesome, man. My phone. My phone is awesome. My phone. Have you ever seen my phone? Does your phone work like my phone? My phone's awesome. Do you have a phone like this? I can talk about being a phone all day long. Uh, it's not a phone if I'm not calling somebody sometime. Y'all with me? Are you making full use? Fellowship is making full use of the relationship. Matter of fact, let me ask you this question. What what proof do you have that that the gap between you and God is closed? What what, what example could you give yourself from this week or last week to somebody right now? What have you said to me? Scott, how do you know your wife loves you? I know my wife loves me. Because if you go with me home to my house at Sugar Hill, Georgia, in my house is a closet. And in that closet is a shoebox. And in that shoebox, there is a letter that she wrote to me in Wake Forest, North Carolina in 1995. And at the bottom of that letter, it says, Scott, I love you. Proof! You wouldn't be impressed with my marriage, would you? If you said, if you said, Scott, how do you know your wife loves you? You want to hear stuff like, well, last night before I went to bed, she told me one more time on the phone, I love you. When I got up this morning to get ready to go preach, she texted me one more time, I love you. Listen to me. I love the fact that you can go to the Bible and know all the gospel and know that Jesus loves you. And that is very important. We wouldn't know about God without the Bible. The Bible is super important. It's the infallible word of God. You got to have the Bible. You wouldn't know about the gospel without the Bible. The Bible is important. Understand. But there's something better than Jesus loves me. Me, this I know for the Bible tells me so and what's better than that is Jesus loves me this I know because he told me so himself this morning you can read it out of a 2,000 year old book or you can get it from the horse's mouth the fact of the matter is he loves you and nothing can separate you from his love do we believe what we've been singing this morning let your, let your love pour over us let your grace wash down over us Nothing can separate you from his love, not even your own foolishness. And God is saying, look, I want you to take advantage of that. I want you to fellowship with me. So listen, man, the problem is not between us and God. God settled it. If you know Jesus, your relationship with God, it lacks nothing. The question is, are you going to fellowship with him and make full use of the relationship? The problem isn't this way. The problem is this way, right? That's where the gaps hurt. That's where the gaps show up the most. And I know some of you are like, not us, Brother Scott, not me, not my family. We are the gapless family. Matter of fact, that's why we go to church on Sunday, not to get, but to give. We want to show the world what it looks like to live gapless in God. Yeah, right. You're about to kill each other on the way to church. Yeah, I know what happened this morning at your house. What happened this morning happens every week. You got up too late this morning because you stayed up too late last night. You're fighting over the ironing board. You're fighting over the shower. Pop-tarts are flying through the air. You finally half-dressed, ready to get in the car and go to church. Then you remember, (laughs) we got kids. You wake them up, that's a whole new war. By the time you get into the car, you're fighting all the way to church, why? Honey's mad at hubby, why is she mad? Because she can't put her makeup onto the car. Why can't she put her makeup onto the car? Because he keeps driving off the side of the highway. Why is he driving off the side of the highway? Because he's driving with one hand while he's swatting the fighting children in the back seat with the other hand. You finally pull into the parking lot, get out of the car, brother Joel walks by and says, good morning family, how y'all doing? And you look back, smile and lie and say, great brother, praise the Lord. about gapped each other to death all the way to church. <laughs> Listen, the problem with God, problems with each other. Now, when we see gaps, and we will, there are three possible responses. Number one, we can accuse. Number two, we can intercede. Number three, we can ignore. Now we usually ignore gaps in people that don't affect us. Like the waitress who's only gonna be at your table for 45 minutes. If she's gapped a little bit, we kind of put up with that. If, we're, if our cashier at Walmart's having a bad day, then we can kind of deal with that. But but ignoring is limited. What do you mean? Well, if they work with us, or they live under our roof, or they're in a tight relationship with us, number three is really not an option very long. So you only can fall back on one and two. You can either accuse, or you can intercede. Now, I want to be like Jesus. How did Jesus handle gaps? Well, he washed Judas' feet. Did he have knowledge of the future, knowing what Judas would do to him one day? He washed his feet anyway. Matter of fact, Peter, he prayed for Peter. When he detected weakness in Peter's faith, Satan himself wanted to sift Peter his feet. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you're out of the group. No, he said, I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. Thomas, now listen. Jesus had already resurrected from the dead, already done it. He'd seen three years of miracles, lived with Jesus, and then he didn't. He didn't believe. I am not going to believe it until I put my hand in his side, until I touch those nail prints. And Jesus, did he bust into the room in his glorified body and say, "Thomas, you saw the Lazarus escapade. You saw what I did with the widow's named son. All my miracles, and I told you I was going to raise from the dead. Three years you've been with me. You're out of the club." Is that what he did? He patiently responded to Thomas doubts and delivered appropriate evidence and by the way this is a partial list hello this is how Jesus responded to gaps now you say but Scott what if I mean is there ever a legitimate place for accusation like like what what if what if a a pastor in the church is taking money or 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 sleeping with somebody he's not married to what what what, what what if what if somebody's a believer and they really come out and man, they hurt me bad. Like they sin against me, and, and it's sin no matter what they say. We know it. I mean, isn't there a time where you have to just, you can't just put up with it anymore? You have to address it, you have to, yes. But the Bible knows that it's gonna be, number one, very rare that that happens. There are very, therefore very specific guidelines for how to handle it when it happens. So for instance, if somebody comes at you and, and, and their, their, their gap gorges you, you can't get on Facebook and talk about it. You're not to go private message a friend and start bellyaching. The Bible tells you in Matthew 18 exactly how to handle the situation when you have to bring the accusation and say, you hurt me. Oh, if it's an elder in the church, someone who's God's vested authority in leadership of the church, 1 Timothy chapter 5, it's in there for that reason. It, it's not God blowing smoke. He's giving you instructions on how to handle those situations of bringing accusation. But here's, here's what I can mark it down. It's never with an attitude of gloating, glad, or get him. In other words, if you say, well, I've got biblical reason, I can bring my accusation. If your attitude is gloating, oh, man, I knew something was going on. It's about time he got found out. (laughs) Or if your attitude is glad, man, I'm so glad they're going to have to get rid of him finally. We didn't need him anyway. Or if it's get him, man, that's the tip of the iceberg. Keep digging, man. There's more. Get him. I'm telling you, you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. You can also do the right thing, listen to me, in the wrong way. So that can never be your attitude or the whole thing's unbiblical. It's always, number three, for the glory of God and the goal of restoration. That's when you bring the accusation. When you can say, I'm going to do it in a way that glorifies God, and I'm going to do it with the goal of restoring this person unto God and his fellowship and with the, the brethren. All right? Now, what about when a gap is not a gap? See, an apparent gap may feel like a gap, look like a gap, smell like a gap, not be a gap. Why? Because others will act and think, say, indifferently than you do. And sometimes that appears to be a gap. Sometimes it's for these reasons. Maturity. Listen to me. It is wrong to expect somebody who's been saved for eight weeks to act like somebody who's been walking with Jesus for 18 years. Amen. And sometimes we think, man, they're full of gaps. And they're supposed to be saved. They just got saved. Let me just be be clear. Somebody who hasn't been saved that long, you're going to see gaps. Let me just be clear. Kanye West is going to be gaffed up for a while. (laughs) Listen to me. Don't accuse, intercede. Maturity. We'll get there. Varying backgrounds. Look listen, it, sometimes it feels like a gap. It's just that we do stuff different. We do marriage different. We, we do relationships differently. We, we do ministry differently. It's just a different background. Some of y'all didn't believe y'all thought we were all the same until you got married, and then you learned about differing backgrounds when you went to the first family get-together on their side. You, you went to that Christmas gathering with all the family there, and when you got in the car, you looked at your spouse and you said, "Your people are crazy!" They're crazy. I can't wait till next week. We go to my family, and you're going to see normal. <laughs> you got in the car after that one. Your wife looked at you and said, "Your people are crazy." <laughs> see where you get it from. Let me just be honest. Can I let us off the hook? All of them crazy. Both sides. All of them, man. All of them got gaps. They so gapped up. Yours is just more familiar, so it doesn't seem like as many gaps. But we do things differently, don't we? Bring different backgrounds to the table. It's not a gap. It's just different. Now. There's also different giftings from God. So, so in my marriage, I used to think there were certain things that were gaps and aren't gaps at all. It's just different gifts. So for instance, one of the things that would drive me crazy about my wife, my wife would come in. My wife and I, she, she'd talk to me. She'd be like, Scott, um, you, you got time for a question. I need to ask you a question. And I'm like, sure, hon, ask a question. She goes, okay. So here's the deal. I was over at Brenda's house. Well, it's really not Brenda's house. It's her mama's house, but she's living there. She's raising her grandchild anyway she's living there and we were just sort of and then, you know and then she goes down for this and that we went shopping we heard thing and then she asked a question on the radio one hour later one hour later i am going was there a question somewhere right but, but let me ask you a question who do you think is a better listener in counseling see i come from the bob newhart school of counseling stop it that'll be a hundred dollars Fix that, right? My wife will be like, uh, I'm going for a quick coffee with Shelly because Shelly needs some advice. Just quick coffee, quick coffee with Shelly. Yeah, four hours later, just left the quick coffee with Shelly, right, right, right? Solved every problem in Shelly's life. Knows all the details, sat there, listened, tuned in. Listen, thank God that everybody does it like I do it. Thank God not everybody does it like she does it. We wouldn't get nothing done. fact of the matter is, we're all different. It's not a gap. Say, It's a gift. It's a gift, and it's different gifting from God. Now, now damage is from the past. Damage is from the past. See, sometimes we think the gap is about gapping at us. It ain't even about us. Listen, if you knew what people went through, if we really knew what, what folks were going through, we'd never judge another person. It's like, man, I, I feel I love dogs. I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna go rescue one from the pound. I saw the commercial, and they're gonna kill these dogs and put them down to sleep if they don't get rescued. I'm gonna go rescue me a dog. I got air conditioning. I I got some money. I can take care of a dog. So you go down there to the dogs, uh, dog pound. You get this rescue dog, and you bring him home, and you got the best bed money can buy. You got the best food money can buy, air conditioning, and, and you bring out, You're gonna love this dog, man. This dog ain't never had a home like this. You know that. You're like, man, this. I'm gonna show this dog some love. And so, man, every time you go to pet that dog, he takes off and runs into the back room. He may be down there eating, laying in his bed. You go down to pet him, as soon as you do, he takes off. You think, man, what's wrong with that stupid animal? Does he hate me? I mean, doesn't he know what I did? Look at the bed he's sleeping in. Look at the air conditioning he's got. Look at the food he's eating. Doesn't doesn't he know I love him, and he's never been loved like this before? No. All he understands is every time you reach your hand up to pet him, the only frame of reference he has for a hand going up is it comes down real hard in the next second right between his eyes. That's what the last owner did. It's not about you that's why you got to be patient because the gap may be there for another reason amen don't judge the gap it may not be a gap now how do you handle gaps in others when you see gaps in your pastors gaps in your church leaders gaps in your small group gaps in your family gaps in your kinfolk how how do you handle gaps when you see them let me give you some practical advice number one plan to forgive hurts go ahead and make up your mind now that that you're going to be like Jesus and have a forgiveness stance you're going to you're going to fill the gap with grace but the key there is expecting, it's, listen, get ready today. November the 10th, 2019. Gaps are going to happen tomorrow and the next day. and the next, So just get ready. Quit acting like there, there's not gonna be any space between what is and what ought to be. So plan to f- forgive them, just like God forgave you of your gaps, right? Number two, do not try to fix them. Only God can. Now, now listen, listen, listen to the dad of a 20 of a year old female, you cannot fix the gaps, only God can see nobody ever told me when raising a kid, we only had one child, only child, and I'll never forget, just growing up, puberty hit, man, nobody told me that 12 was so tough, because 13 was on the way, and the only reason 13 was like walking, taking hell by the acre is because 14 was coming. And if you can survive 13, you might make it through 14. And 14 was bad, bad, bad. I'm telling about purgatory. If you can get to 15, yay, at least you got there. 16's coming, buckle up, 17. And you know what it's all about? It's all about getting to 18, 18. You talk to your kid, ask them. It's all about 18, 18, 18. Why? Because if they turn 18, it's 18. I'm 18 now. I'm an adult now. I'm an adult. I'm 18. I'm an adult. I can I can have my own thoughts. I can do my own thing. I can make my own decisions. I'm an adult. I'm an adult. I'm an adult. I'm an adult. Dad. Dad I'm an. Adult, I'm like. Then make your bed, adult. (laughs) It's all about like they they, they, they want to express the independence, not even about being right or wrong. Just I'm my own person. 18, 18, and and then what? It's like you see gaps in their opinions. You see gaps in their theology. You see gaps in their friends. You, You see gaps in their social activities. One day she walks out the door in a dress that has way too many gaps. My daughter actually married a boy that she's been dating for a year and a half. He's now my son-in-law. I know his name, but I call him Gap for short. <laughs> he's not heard this sermon. He's very confused. <laughs> Just kidding. I love my son-in-law. But, 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 but God has to remind me all the time. I've been learning this. I, I, since my parenting days are over and I went to advisor versus parent, I, God's trying to tell me, Scott, keep your hands off. Saying, God, but don't, don't you know that the reason you need a seminary trained evangelist is to help you out? <laughs> see, 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 when, when my when my wife and I got married, she was the luckiest woman in the world. She had two Holy Spirits, me and the real one. <laughs> that was gonna fix them gaps, man. And guess what? She's she gonna fix mine. But you know what we found? God does a lot more when we back off and give him room to work than us trying to work on his behalf. And the relationship is sweeter as a result. Amen? And God showed me through my daughter, man. God, I love my daughter. My daughter is married now. She's got a baby on the way. It's incredible. I'm going to be, be a granddad in April. It's just an amazing time. But I'm seeing God do stuff in her that I can't do through her, in, in her by being her dad or giving her a lecture. Y'all with me? God fixes gaps better than us. So don't try to fix them. Only God can fix them. Give thanks to God. Listen, the only reason you've got a gap is because there's something on either side. Something's there. You can say, thank God for that. Everybody has something in them that you can thank God for. And if they're a believer, guess what? They have the same Jesus DNA potential that you have to become like Jesus. You want people to thank God and be patient with you while you grow, you've got potential, hang on, God's working, well you need to extend the same grace to others. There's always somebody, something you can thank God for and thank God they're not what they used to be, hallelujah. Now, it is impossible to be critical and grateful at the same time. Scientifically impossible. So you can look at somebody that's gorging you with their gaps and say, you know what, there are things in them I thank God for in them. So give thanks to God. Recognize the probability of projection. What does that mean? What that means is if I see a gap in you and then I look, oh, it's in you too. In you. There's that gap. That gap's there again. In you. Out there it is in you. And you and you and you. The same gap. in you and you and you and you. Guess what? Chances are it's probably in, right? Because we tend to criticize in others what we wrestle with and despise about ourselves. Projection is what that's called. And stay filled with grace. Listen, listen. Remember the day you got saved. Grace changes everything, man. The sun didn't shine as bright as it did till you got grace. Man, the church wasn't as sweet till you got grace. The Bible didn't speak like it did till you got grace. I told you, grace is the glasses that when you look through it, changes everything. And God wants us baptized daily in grace. Listen. When you got saved, God retrofitted you to run on grace a And there's only one dispenser of grace of all in the universe, and his name is Jesus. And that's why we need to sit at his feet every day in fellowship so we can get filled up with grace so when we walk past out to the outside world, we can can share with them and flow to them the grace that God has flowed to us. Y'all with me? We're filling the gap for the grace he gives. And then, number six, commit that when you see gaps... You're gonna be an intercessor. You say, Scott, would love to do it. Kinda of tough, gaps are real, they're big and they hurt. How am I supposed to do that? And they call themselves a Christian. I'll give you an illustration. There was a young man named Johnny Lingo who lived on the island of Nirwabi. And Johnny Lingo was the richest young man his age. Now, he loved a girl on the neighboring island of Kinawati, whose name was Sarita. Now, Johnny was a rich young man. He was a smart trader, and that's why he had gotten so rich. For some reason, he loved Sarita. And the thing is, well, Sarita just wasn't much to look at. If you'd have been Mr. Rogers, you'd have said, she's homely. If you were Donald Trump, ain't no telling what you would have tweeted about this girl. (laughs) She was tall and lanky. She walked around with her shoulders hunched over and her head down. Her matted hair covered her face. If you ever managed to see her face, which she tried not to show, there wasn't much there to look at. But Johnny loved Sarita. Now, Sarita was the daughter of a man named Sam Karad, who lived there on that island of Kinawati. Now, interesting, on the island of Kenawati, when someone wanted to marry a girl from there, they had an interesting marriage custom. They would trade cows for the one they loved. So basically, a young man would go to a father and say, look, I love your daughter. I want to marry her. Can I have her hand in marriage? How many cows will you take for her? And and the the most beautiful women in all the islands had gone for like five or six cows. The best wives, five or six cows. The average one went for four or five cows, and and then there were girls about three cows. Well, the elders of the island had already sat down with Sam and said, you know, you can really only expect about two cows for Sarita. But he'd made up his mind he'd settle for one. Johnny Lingo loved Sarita. And so when it came time to trade for her, he came onto that island that day. All the villages came out, huge procession. They were shocked, they were amazed because when Johnny Lingo came to trade for Sarita, he brought eight cows. They're like, what in the world is wrong with him? Is he blind? Doesn't he know she's a one cow woman? Johnny traded eight cows for Sarita that day. Now, why in the world would a man give eight cows for a woman that he could have had for one? I want to show you that Johnny Lingo got the best deal in all the islands. Within a few months, Sarita became the most beautiful woman in all the islands. Why? How did that happen? And here's the answer. Many things change a person. Things happen inside and things happen outside. But the thing that matters most is what she thinks about herself. Because the me I see is the me I'll be. In Kenawati, she was treated as a one cow woman, so that is what she was. In Nirwabi to Johnny Lingo, she was an eight cow woman, more valuable than any other. And that is what she became. Johnny Lingo loved Sarita and wanted an eight cow wife. So that is what he paid for and got. Hear me, every Christian is an eight cow saint. Every Christian. By the way, even you, Scott, you don't know what I'm doing. Even you, are you a Christian? Yeah, but Scott, but last week I, even you, you're an eight cow, listen to me, you, are as valuable to God. Boy, this is a word for somebody. You are as valuable to God as any other Christian that's ever lived. Billy Graham or the Apostle Paul? How can you say that, preacher? Here's why. Because God paid the same price to get you as he did to get Billy Graham or the Apostle Paul. And every Christian sitting around you is an eight-cow Christian. They're an eight-cow saint. So what does God want us to do? He wants us to do this. Read this out loud with me. Seeing the potential in a person is an act of faith. I do not want to react to behavior that is negative and thereby reinforce it. I am able to see the best in people by believing the best about people. I am able to bring out the best in them. Listen, here's what it is. Here's intercession. It is treating every Christian like you would treat Jesus. Hey, listen, isn't that what Jesus does to you? Does God treat you according to your wretchedness or does God treat you according to his love? He, he, he's treated, I think of all the times that God treated me like an eight cow saint when I didn't deserve it. And he continued anyway and I was convicted by it. it didn't make me want a license to sin and maybe want to run back to him and bask In His love, listen to me, God's called us to treat everybody like an eight-cow Christian. Listen, here's the problem. We we have grading systems. And there are people that we treat according to the grade we give them. And there's people in your life that you say, well, there are six cows, seven cows, eight cows, so you treat them that way. Or there's people in your life that's a four-cow, three-cow, and you see them down here and you treat them that way. And God has called all of us to see everyone as someone making His image, everyone saved by grace, who is saved by grace as an eight cow saint, and treat them accordingly. It means to treat everybody like you'd treat Jesus. Listen to me. We are living in a culture that in the last few years went from you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter, you can say whatever you want, it doesn't matter, you can live however you want and it doesn't matter, to what's now called the cancel culture. If you tweeted one stupid thing when you were 12 years old, you're going to lose your career. There's no grace in the culture. And too many times on social media, we look just like the culture. We're full of accusation instead of intercession. And if the culture ever needed a grace-filled people, it's now. We can look at the culture and say, it doesn't matter what you've done back there. It doesn't matter what happened 20 years ago. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. You can come to Jesus. It'll all be erased. And you can start brand new. There's grace. And we're a people of grace. Because Jesus paid the same price for you that he paid for me to redeem you and make you his own. Listen, To to, to accuse is to cooperate with the devil. To intercede is to cooperate with Jesus. May we be intercessors because that is the way of God. Let's all stand together. It's about eyes closed. <clears throat> Around the room right now, maybe you've walked in here and you say, Scott, you, you got to that part about the gap being closed between me and God, and I can't say that. I don't know that I've ever received the gap filler for myself. I, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven if I died. I'm not sure that there's ever been a real time where I'm in it and I asked Jesus to come in and fill the gap and forgive me of my sins and give me that relationship with God. But you say, Scott, I want to do that today. Right now, if that's you and you want to give your heart to Jesus, would you simply ask him to save you right now and to fill that gap? In your heart, just talk to him and say, God, I recognize there's a gap between you and I because of my sin. And there's nothing I can do to fill that gap. But I do believe that Jesus died on the cross to take my sin and give me his righteousness. And so, Lord, right now, I ask you that Jesus would come into my life and fill the gap that you would establish a completely perfect relationship with you, and that you'd write my name in heaven, a reservation that cannot be changed. Help me to follow you all of my days and cooperate with you in all of my ways. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And thank you, Jesus, for today filling my gap. If you just prayed that prayer, For the first time in your life, knowing you meant it, I'm going to ask you to step out when we begin to sing and Josh begins to lead us. And as we do, you'll find two men down front, and they'd love to come and and, and hear of your decision this morning to ask Jesus to be your gap filler. So I'm going to ask you to do that. If you say, well, I don't really want to go down front, well, there'll be some people right after the service at the Next Step stations in the back, and I invite you to go there. But make up your mind, you'll tell somebody today about your decision. Number two, number two you're here like me, like me, I, I'm convicted. I'm convicted that so many of my default first thoughts are my flesh, not my spirit. They're, they're accusations that would glorify the devil instead of intercessions that would glorify Jesus. And I'll be honest, in a day of social media the way that it is and all the news that's coming out, there's a lot of room for judgment and criticism and accusation. But I stand convicted today and I wanna be an intercessor. So if you're like me and you wanna say, Sky, that's me, I, I, I wanna be an intercessor. I, I wanna do two things, number one, I want to daily get filled up with grace of Hall. I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want his estimation of me every morning so that I won't have to rely on the estimation of other Christians who grade and judge. And Lord, number two, I want to be a dispenser of grace. I want to be an intercessor. I want to stand in the gap so that you would not have, so that he would not have to destroy this land. May we be the salt. May we be the light. May we be the intercessors. May we be the ones who are living the difference. If that's you, would you find your place and pray and nail that down at this altar this morning and give God that commitment? Let's pray together right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We need you every day. We need you every hour. Not just that you can help us live for you, but that you will live through us. And we thank you for the opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.